Oh, I just got a text from Derek Carr. Should I talk about this? Yeah, absolutely. I, just, I, I sent Derek a video this morning of Gruner's like, uh, <laughs> nice job, young man. Carr, you did a nice job last night. But uh, I'll tell you what, man. You better be in the gym right now, man. We got a game in less than five days. What is your problem? Work at If you're not up and playing, I can't. I don't care. I know you're family, man, but if you're paying attention to your kids, you think the dolphins are traveling? What are dolphins? They travel in packs, man. What do they do? You ever play Pac-Man? You ever play Pac-Man? He didn't worry about dolphins. You know why? Because he was running from ghosts. And if he had a power pellet, man, he would eat the ghosts. Inky, Binky, Clyde, look out. That's like Max Crosby coming after Lamar Jackson last night. I tell you what, man. Max Crosby, he's Pac-Man. You better look out. Schrader cuts from shot to shot and scene to scene as if tracing crudely covered wounds, the unhealed scars from the amputation of vital parts of the soul. That's from Richard Brody, a New Yorker. He's talking about the new film, The Card Counter, exclusively in theaters right now, the new film from Paul Schrader, the writer and director. It stars Oscar Isaac, Tiffany Haddish, and Willem Dafoe. What a cast from Schrader. Schrader, a previous guest here in Cinephile. You can go back and listen to the episode if you like. We'll also talk about the new show on Hulu. That's right, Only Murders in the Building. How about this? star power. Steve Martin, Selena Gomez, and Martin Short. Unbelievable. So far, there's been five episodes. I've seen four of them so far. I'll review that. And Face Off, one of my all-time favorite action movies. Mike Ryan will join us to talk about it because Mike is as big a fan of Face Off as I am. He loves Nicolas Cage action movies and the big one here. So again, we've got something new, something old. The new movies is obviously The Card Counter and Only Murders in the Building, a new show. We've got The Old and Face Off and then The Wild Card. How about it, Cody? Frank Caliendo. This is, I mean, I fancy myself a little bit of someone who can do impressions, but this is like, this is the top of the cake. Or the top of the mountain? Why did I have us at the top it's okay, of the cake? You were hungry, probably. Anyways. Yeah, but but, but but you can do impressions. I didn't know that about you. Yeah, you know, like I, I've done a Tim Kirkchen. Dan, the Royals are really That's good. That's good. Like you know, <laughs> I, I, I my Kirk- mind is useless. I can only do people that I work with, but like nobody would know them. You know what I mean? So like it's just like office workers and stuff. Like it, I yeah. still do it from like twenty years ago. My friends are like, hey, do do Darren Detition. I'm like, he's on air, on air broadcaster at TSM. Like, I'm like, it's, yeah, it's really not worthwhile. Like I can kind of do John Gruden, but I'm not going to right now because Cal Lando's probably going to do John Gruden today. So I, it, it would just sound so shitty in comparison. But I can kind of do, you know, you do the face. It's like, that's a, that's a football player, man. That guy's a, that guy's a football player. I'm impressed. Chris Cody, hidden town for impressions. I love this. Um, it's funny because I, I texted Frank the other day, asked him to come on, and I, I said something that he liked, and he put a ha ha ha. But it wasn't like no I lol. People, this was no lol. This was a ha. No, no. Ha. So people either go lol ha ha ha, or but he did something I've never seen before via text. Hmm. He went ha ha ha. Three separate spaces. Ha, yeah, three Between, separate ha's. What? A, what? A, that's a, that's the axe of a monster. I don't know what that is. <laughs> I've never heard of it. I mean, you either go lmao, you yeah. go emoji. I have never seen anyone space out their ha's. This yeah. is. I've seen you and I do both. We've done emojis with each other. We've done ha-ha's. Mm-hmm. We've thrown in an LMAO. Like it's, mm-hmm. yeah, you did an LMAO over this texture, actually. Sometimes I'll put the, sometimes the, what do we think about the new way of doing it? Where you like tap the message and then you get all those options. Oh, yeah, I do that sometimes. Thumbs yeah. up. Yeah, I do that. Yeah. Yeah. You were uh, crazy about it, though, yeah. I'm, I'm not a crazy about it. I use them sometimes, but I'm just like, what are we doing here? Why can't I just text back what I'm feeling? Why do I need to? No, I like if, it. Just a quick little thumbs up. We're good to go. Know. It ends the conversation. A little I, exclamation I, point. I huh? emphasize something. <laughs> I, I, I actually use them a lot, actually. If you, you still yeah. like you're on the spectrum of not a fan. I, I'm heavily a fan of those. Uh, anyways, I'm, I want to thank everyone for listening to the podcast. Please support. Uh, mm-hmm. Always go to Cinephile where you can subscribe, rate, and review. You know, it's amazing. Adam Amin of Fox Sports, he just called the Broncos-Giants game in the Meadowlands, so I met him for breakfast Sunday in Hoboken. He loved Rosillo. He loved Ryan talking about the craft of mm-hmm. writing. And I texted with Ryan afterwards, and uh, actually we spoke on the phone, and he was like, you know, I've never really talked about that stuff because I don't want people to think I've made it when I haven't. And I said, listen, you were talking about the journey, which you're attempting. You did sell a script, which I think is incredibly impressive. And, uh, and he was, but he was talking about how it was still tough. Like you get something sold, and that doesn't mean it gets made. Like he, he, I feel like he articulated that journey being unfinished pretty well, actually. 
Yeah, I agree. I really appreciate his honesty about it. And obviously, he's doing really great with his podcast and stuff, and, and he's obviously a huge fan of Fargo. Dan Stancic loved it so much. He was tweeting, he wants me and Rosillo to do like a home and home. He wants us to go on each other's podcast. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's going to happen. I but, like that uh, idea because that Rosillo's is very popular, and we got a little cinephile plug on there. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Whatever it is to get the numbers Let's up, go, right? baby. Also, Joe Engelbrecht, the former producer of Cinephile, he produced 97 episodes. I was texting with him. He said, I love the interviews. Kevin Costner and Ken Burns, like we're crushing it. So mm-hmm. we, we're, hopefully we'll just keep getting these big names out there. I Hopefully we'll get the word going and people will keep on uh, spreading the love. Let's dive in, though, to The Card Counter. And this is one of those films, which I'm telling you right now, the critics love it, but the audiences do not. If you go to a quick search here on Flickster, uh, which is, of course, Rotten Tomatoes on your phone. 85% approval rating for those who are unaware. Anything above 60% is positive. 85% is great reviews. The fan vote, 46%. So Ooh. that means all the critics are loving it. People actually watch this movie and going, mm, What does that fan. usually mean? If it's a movie that is critically loved but not the audience, it's usually this. If it's one that the audience loves, the critics don't like. Is there a correlation with stuff like this or it's all random? Well, sometimes you have movies like this. Like, Schrader is a guy who is obviously revered by the critics because he's had an incredible career, but his pacing is very deliberate. So I don't think it's a... I think it's a case-by-case example. I think in this instance you say, okay, he's making movies to a select audience. A broad audience is not going to love his movies. And vice versa, generally you find it with comedies. Like, you find it actually a lot with Josh Duhamel movies. I love Josh Duhamel. He's a great guy. But, like, his movies rate really well with audiences. I I don't... Even he joked one time. He was on with Rosillo. I think he said, I don't think I've ever had a movie get, like, a positive review on Rotten Tomatoes. Like, I can't get 60%. His movie's like 20%, 30%. But the audiences love it. Ultimately, what would you rather have? Critics or the audience? Depends. I think if you're trying to be an auteur, you're trying to break into the business, you want the critics. You want them to give you juice. But ultimately, you want to make some money, so you mm-hmm. want the audiences as well. Uh, the storyline for The Card Counter is this. Redemption is the long game in Paul Schrader's The Card Counter. Tolbush Trader's trademark cinematic intensity. The revenge thriller tells the story of an ex-military interrogator turned gambler, haunted by the ghosts of his past. Mm. The best thing that Paul Schrader has going for him is some great casting in Oscar Isaac. I've raved about him before when I was talking about that Coen Brothers film, and here he is excellent again. Kind of looks like a young Al Pacino when he first burst on the screen, and here he's awfully intense. He's one of these guys, immaculately well-dressed, very slick, amazing when it comes to cards. He counts cards. But he's obviously got some secrets. He's got some some darkness to him. And the movie really does a good job of kind of laying that bare and then revealing what it is. And he's an actor, I think, again, in those eyes, he's got such an intensity to him that he really conveys the angst and the frustration of this character. Ty Burr, who's a brilliant film critic, used to work for the Boston Globe, he phrased it this way. Does it matter that Paul Schrader keeps making the same movie over and over if the movies are as good as the card counter? Um, the parallels to Schrader's previous movie, First Reformed, are obvious, not to mention to a filmography that stretches back to his screenplay for Taxi Driver, a hero who's isolated by temperament and circumstance, who flagellates himself into a spiritual agony of defeat, who keeps a diary that he reads to us in racked voiceover, and who moves inexorably towards a climactic act of violent transcendence. So listen, you have other filmmakers who have their own themes who repeat their processes, but I find with Schrader, he goes back to these themes because clearly he finds something special about them. Sometimes you have artists who do certain paintings, but if you look at it a certain way, you have a different interpretation. You know, Hemingway's stories at times felt a little bit repetitive or overly similar, but that's only if you're not going beneath the surface. So in the card counter, I think what Paul Schrader is trying to explore is this. How does a character in this day and age who is a gambler, doesn't gamble for big money, but he finds joy from it, what is he trying to escape? What are these demons he's trying to bury? And I'm not going to give it away. No spoiler alert here. I'm not going to spoil it. I think some of the trailers kind of give it away, some of the reviews do, but what exactly Exactly happened in his past that he's trying to overcome. I'm not going to tell you that. You need to see the movie for yourself. But I think it's a film that rewards kind of patient storytelling. It's certainly not for everyone. It's a slow burn. It's a slow boil. He's obviously influenced by Robert Bresson. You know, there's one reference to a movie I liked at one point. There's a character they call a Minnesota Fats, and it's Tiffany Haddish. I'll get to her in a second. But she says they call Minnesota Fats because the movie. And and Oscar Isaac said, "Why?" why? She goes, "Remember the movie, The Hustler." And he's like, "No, that was the Cincinnati Kid, and The Hustler was about pool." So you got to be a certain type of movie brain to be like, oh yeah, Minnesota Fats, that was uh, Jackie Gleason's character in The Hustler, Cincinnati Kid. Tiffany Haddish, though, Chris, she bursts on the steam of Girls Trip, right? Steals the movie. Hysterical. Like, so funny. And then she does, like, a lot of movies. But I find that nothing she's made has really stuck since then. I just saw the other day she did a movie with Billy Crystal. I don't know one person that watched it. If I said to you, Tiffany Haddish, what has she done after what we can all agree was a breakthrough performance in Girls Trip? What has she done to capitalize on it? I mean, honestly, I've watched her stand-up special. That was hilarious, but I've never, honestly, I don't think I've seen a single Tiffany Haddish movie. 
<laughs> but that's okay. But, but, but you're telling me it's this. She did night school with Kevin Hart. I don't think it was received no. right. Nobody's Fool, uh, Bad Trip. Here today is the one with Bill Crystal, Billy Crystal. Like a Boss with Rose Byrne, Salma Hayek. And then she did The Kitchen, which I know got crushed with Melissa McCarthy. Like she's been in about five movies since Girls Trip. I don't think any of those are notable, but I'm happy to report she shows off her talent here in this film, The Card Counter, because it's a, a fairly straight dramatic performance. You can tell there's some sort of sexual tension with her and Oscar Isaac, but I thought she did an excellent job of playing a woman. She's trying to wrangle Oscar Isaac into her clientele. She's one of these people, you know, they have these sharks, right? These big uh, gambling conglomerates. Mm -hmm. And then they hire people like Tiffany Haddish to then get gamblers to make money for them. So, hey, you can bankroll this $5 million corporation. You can gamble for us, etc. cetera. Uh, Willem Dafoe's mm -hmm. in the movie. He's obviously a Paul Schrader uh, staple. He was in Light Sleeper. Um, he was in Affliction. Lots of Paul Schrader movies. He's in there for a couple of scenes. But again, I like the film but I, I'm very cautious in my review. I'm giving it two and a half Maple Leafs. I don't think it's as strong as first reform Paul Schrader's previous film. But again, if you like his work, this is the writer of Taxi Driver, co-writer of Raging Bull. He is the writer and director of American Gigolo, Affliction, Autofocus. It's very much of his world, and I enjoyed it. Two and a half Maple Leafs. Let's move on now to talk about Only Murders in the Building. And this is one of those films that I say, okay, I understand the conceit. Will there be actual execution? Here's what I mean by saying I understand the conceit. You get two actors who obviously love each other. They're close, close friends. Steve Martin and Martin Short. Mm -hmm. Speaking of comedy specials, they had a special oh, on Netflix a yes. year or two. Amazing, right? Everyone loves it. And those guys are generally good dudes. They're fun. They laugh at them. And I'm seeing this. I go, oh, they have a new show on Hulu. I'm like, oh, that makes sense. Their buddies, Hulu, probably pitch someone. And it's also starring Selena Gomez. And I said to that's myself, Chris, I go, that's the curveball, right? That is the wild card here on Cinephile. And I go, okay, is this actually going to work? Or is this the studio head saying, I can't sell a film in this day and age with Steve Martin and yeah. Martin Short. These are two guys in their late 60s, 70s. Let's get a young, attractive millennial that will bring in a different audience. Let's see if Selena Gomez is available. So that was my cynicism going into it. And I've got to say, I've enjoyed the show, but my cynicism still remains. I can't imagine a world in which these characters are all inhabiting together. I'll give you the, the reviews premise. are pretty good. I've seen yeah. some good reviews for yeah. it, though. I've definitely enjoyed it because of the chemistry, particularly of those two actors. I mean, you're looking at those two guys, you're like, listen, Steve Martin and Martin Short, those guys can read the phone book. It's like uh, J.P. Murrieta, my buddy, listen, he tweeted last week when I said, who doesn't love Michael Keaton? Who doesn't love Martin Short? I mean, yeah. Marty Short is about as entertaining a guy as it gets. He's always just his face is funny. Mm -hmm. I look at Martin Short's face, I just start laughing, right? And this is what the story is. Three strangers who share an obsession with true crime suddenly find themselves caught up in one. So they live in the same building. By the way, I love the art direction here. I mean, the costume design, it's actually a really fabulous looking building. The production design is really kind of immaculate. It's so Steve Martin and Martin Short are just neighbors in this building? Correct. So they're not actually friends. They're neighbors. And they find out that they both love true crime podcasts. And the Gomez, also a big fan of that. And then they start investigating a murder in their building. And they're like, okay. Could be a bit of a reach, but honestly, this review from When Lay Ma nails it. Only Murders in the Building is so fantastically fun, you'll be as giddy as an 11-year-old girl who just mastered the double hula hoop. Ah, <laughs> that is happy. <laughs> Again, I, I, it's probably a reach to expect these three to hang out together, but... You go along with it. And what does it come down to, Cody? It all comes down to one thing, and that is chemistry. You're going to watch anything as long as the stars all have chemistry. And that's why I think this show is successful on Hulu. It's 10 episodes. I've seen four. I look forward to watching the fifth shortly. It's very much timely, right? A lot of people Martin are listening shortly. to podcasts. I'm sorry. Terrible joke. It does get Martin shortly. How about the fact this? They're close friends, and they have the same name, but one is a last name. One is a first name. Hmm. I, I can't imagine how often that happens. Although nobody calls him Martin Short. They all call him Marty Short. Yeah. But anyways, you got Marty Short and Steve Martin. Um, listen, Steve Martin is playing a, a dry character. He's a very deadpan actor. He's playing a, an actor who used to have, be a famous show called Brazos, which was a big drama back in the day. Marty Short is playing, of course, a flamboyant theater director. I mean, as soon as you see Martin Short, like, he's not going to be subtle. It's kind of like Will Ferrell. Like, Will Ferrell's never going to be the quiet guy in the room. Yeah. Martin Short is loud and screaming. And yelling. But, but again, his face is so funny. Great Canadian. You're proudly from Hamilton, Ontario. His when I took face my is so funny. You're right. It's just a funny yeah. sentence to say. Right, kind of like Jim Carrey, though, like that rubber-faced comedian. Like, you went to Disney recently. Mm -hmm. I've taken my wife and kids. There's a certain element there that have, like, a world pavilion. If you go to the Canada Pavilion, mm -hmm. who is it? Of course, it's Martin Short. Martin Short's <laughs> voice is there. He's talking about being Canadian. Here's what Canada has. We have moose. We have maple syrup. Okay, great. Like, he's just, he's such a great ambassador. And, like I said, it's timely. I know a lot of people love the uh, the podcast Serial, so this is an extension of that. My wife, not as big of a fan of it. She doesn't find it as funny as I do. But I'm recommending Only Murders in the Building. I've seen four episodes. So it's fifth one coming up shortly, 10 parts on Hulu. I'll give it three Maple Leafs.
Yes, Mike, what's up, buddy? Hey, Adnan. How's it going? How's that infectious energy? Holy shit. Let's fucking talk about face-off. Oh, my God. <laughs> what's that doing to Fresh to me, or are you doing something else? I don't even no. know. <laughs> if anything, that sounded like uh, John Travolta at the end. Oh, my God. <laughs> Uh, it is such a pleasure here being a part of the Levitard and Friends Family Podcast Network. And so far, we've had every single member of the family here. Roy came on to talk about Malcolm X. Billy did a Fast and Furious review. We had Dan Levitard talk about Steven Soderbergh. But the one whale, the one we were trying to cover, the one we were trying to reel in, couldn't get him, is Mike Ryan. So as I put together my suggestion to Chris Cody, he told me, I send the movies to the guys, and whoever's interested, you know, raises their hand. And I said, face off. If Mike Ryan doesn't take the bait on face off, I'm going to go ahead and just throw in the towel now. Sure enough he took the bait he's here mike i knew you love face up as much as i do this is one of the all-time great action movies right all-time great action movies for sure it's presently in my top five greatest action movies ever made and it's in my own personal top 10 of favorite movies this is so high on the rewatchability factor uh, john woo he kind of announced himself with broken arrow and yep. recreated that action genre here in the states applying what he learned uh, over in Asia, but coming here, bringing that to the masses with Face Off and Broken Arrow, you just have John Travolta at his most eccentric, and for me, as someone that's a Nicolas Cage guy, you have them both turned up to 11 here. The performances are amazing, so much so that you can suspend disbelief on something that's just patently absurd, Adnan. Yeah, it's all absurd, but you're right. You just go with it and enjoy the journey. And let's start with John Woo, because he's one of the great action directors ever. And I know you've seen his his stuff back in, in Asia when he was doing Hard Boiled and The Killer. Those are two incredible films. They lure him over to America. He does Hard Target with Jean-Claude Van Damme, Broken Arrow as well. That's where he gets to know Travolta. And then he does Face Off. And like this has all the hallmarks of John Woo, which is overly stylized acting, you know, heavily sentimental, rubbing the hand, rubbing down the face, a lot of slow motion. You got the two guns cocked. But if you're a John Woo fan, I mean, my God, it's, it's incredible. Like, Two guns and pigeons. Right, guns and pigeons. We got a few of those, slow motion. Like every time I see John Woo movies, I go, it's amazing because they're both kinetic, but they're both balletic, right? It's, it's heavy action, but it's also got this weird kind of choreography and dance to it. It's incredible what he does. Oh, uh, the, the, the camera work. He really stylized, restylized action films that were kind of laboring a little bit at the time. It was almost as if... They could only do big budget action films, tentpole franchises for a while, and you really didn't have action movies come out of nowhere the way Broken right. Arrow did and spread through word of mouth. And then, thankfully, Broken Arrow took off, which is a really great film in its own right. Yeah. Uh, it gave him the opportunity to get two stars like John Travolta, who had already worked with him, and Nicolas Cage, who was at his hottest, I think, right around here. There was a summer of Cage. This wasn't quite that, yeah. but it was it was pretty close. He got him at the right time, and it's two great action movie stars. And John Travolta, just by body type and age, may not seem like a great action guy, but he can yeah. play the foil. And in this movie, he plays a hero that you can deeply care about because his acting chops are right there. Obviously, Nicolas Cage and John Travolta around this time are both getting nominated for Academy Awards in dramatic roles. And mm -hmm. so they bring that human touch that makes you overlook the fact that their bodies are not at all similar. Yeah, Travolta, 94, big comeback of Pulp Fiction. Nick Cage in 95 won the Oscar for Leaving Las Vegas. This film comes out in 97. So you're right, these are two A-list actors. And one of the great parts of the movie is both those guys are equally adept at playing hero and villain. Like you said, Travolta as hero, you're like, oh, very empathetic, caring, loving father. He's so emotional about his kid, but then he can totally see him hamming it up. When he sees his alleged teenage daughter, it almost seems incestuous. He's staring at her ass. He takes a cigarette from her, and she's like, oh my God, don't tell dad. He's like, well, I don't tell him if you won't. And he's like, Papa's got a brand new bag. Woo! And similarly, Cage, who I think is having more fun as a villain, but then when I see him as a sweetheart and a good guy, the scenes with Gina Gershon, how he gets emotional. When he's in jail, I'm Castor Troy. Like, he's completely rung up. Like, this is Cage, as you said, his most unbridled, but I think in a lot of ways, his most convincing. Yeah, that part where he almost passes out in rage in a prison what he's able to convey while just got the cocaine eyes like crazy in that one scene <laughs> but that one human touch there really makes you buy into the performance and it really needs a lot of buy-in to the uh, from yes. the audience but even if you have someone sitting in the back saying this is ridiculous they get sucked in by the action sequences and just how generally fun this movie is because 
it's a load of fun the entire time. Yeah, the action sequences, it's kind of like planes, trains, and automobiles. Like, you've got violence on air, you got it on land, you got it on sea. <laughs> like, John Woo's like, all right, you know what? Let's just give me a bunch of money and I'll blow stuff up. I don't care where we are going to be. I will get you some action scenes. The stunt doubles on the boat in particular. Oh, yeah. <laughs> kind of questionable. <laughs> I'm suspending more disbelief in that one moment than I have an entire film about two guys swapping faces because <laughs> not a great job disguising the stunt doubles on the boat, but it was uh, it was tremendous fun all around. Small quibble to that point. You've got this incredible action film, these wonderful set pieces, and it ends with two guys fighting on a beach. And one of his dads goes, Die! Where Travolta's voice bleeds in because he's taken a, a strike to the throat and he, he gets too high. Die! <laughs> and then the ultimate revenge of Travolta, or I guess Cage at this Cage. point. The, the right. real caster Troy takes a, a, a blade to Sean Archer's face because he's going to have to stare at his face in the mirror the entire time. It's just perfect. It's super quotable. And the performances, it's so easy for this type of movie to go full cheese. And it has that little cheese aspect sure. that all right. action movies have. And certainly all action movies from the 90s have, Adnan. But it's got the heart. And it's got the performances. It's got the acting chops. And it's there isn't a wasted scene in this film. It's a credit to the editing in this film, yeah. too, because it is super efficient. Every scene is necessary. There is no fat to trim on this picture. Yeah, it's a great call. And I like the score as well. That last scene of Travolta and slow motion coming around. I, I'm with you. It's a genuinely moving action picture, which is not something you can say about two guys having their faces off. Last thing you mentioned, it's eminently quotable. Have you ever said to a woman, if I were to let you suck my tongue, would you be grateful? No, I, I don't think I can pull that one off. In 2021, I don't think anybody can pull that one off, except for probably Nicolas Cage, who borrowed that from a real life experience but peach oh. i could eat a peach for hours and also <laughs> bye bro bye bro it's a great it's got great pieces alongside it too that that brother is unbelievable i don't know what else he's been in but he's that been in guy a soccer is, movie he's been in a yeah. soccer movie called goal which i think okay. was barely released here in the united states he's actually a pretty good <laughs> soccer player he's had a nice little career for himself if you search on the imdb you'll forget that he was all these things, but anytime I see him, I just DiCaprio, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood meme. I'm like, Pollux Troy. That's Pollux. He's always going to be Pollux to me. Bye, bro. That is Mike Ryan, of course, the mastermind, the maestro, the Dan Levitard show, and so many podcasts, Levitard and Friends. Thanks for taking a few minutes, man. We finally got you. I appreciate you. This flew by. I could talk about <laughs> Face Off for the rest of my career. We, no, now I know. Anytime there's a Nick Cage action movie, I'm like, Mike Ryan is our guy. We'll yeah. do Con Air next time. Oh, That'll my God. Wild. No one can throw a spinning roundhouse kick like Nicolas Cage in jeans, no less. <laughs> and that wasn't a double. He was fully pliable. That hair is unbelievable in Con Air, too. I mean, all time. <laughs> you want to talk about suspending disbelief. <laughs> the extensions on Nick Cage. We'll leave it at that. Yeah. Uh, why wouldn't you put the bunny back in the box? <laughs> Can you imagine how much I would have been able to quote if I did prep and watch Face Off before this? I've just <laughs> this was just on recall. You were like, "Bye, yeah. bro." Yeah, I haven't seen Face Off for I think a year and a half, and it's just off the top of my brain. I love that movie so much. I, I must have seen it at the Dollar Cinema, yeah, seventeen times one summer. Well, it was like the rare action movie that was critically acclaimed. Like everyone's like, "No, this is a this genuinely is freaking great awesome. film." Like, yeah. It's freaking yeah, like awesome. It's, like you said, it's got a little bit of everything. It's got action. It's got funny. It's got heart. Great actors. It's awesome. And in order to feed him, I must become him. It's incredible. It's incredible. And Margaret chosen it randomly. It's just hey, a Margaret chosen. <laughs> I meant to mention Gina Gershon. I don't want to mention Gina, Gina Gershon. Gina Gershon. Yeah. I mean, so many, so many great pieces. Thank you for having no, me, Adnan. Awesome. Of course, Mike. Thanks, buddy. We'll talk soon. Well, like I said, we had to get Mike Ryan somehow. I knew if we talked face off, he would crush it. He loves that movie as much as I do. It's eminently quotable. Critics loved it. It is the rare action movie that everyone can get behind. Another person you can get behind, Frank Caliendo. I first met Frank at ESPN years ago. I uh, worked for ESPN for a while. There's a lot of great impressions, a lot of people there. Uh, kept in touch, and I was like, you know what, want to come on the podcast? And sure. And I was a little bit skittish because I know he's a busy guy, but honestly, he absolutely crushes it. I think he does about 30 impressions here, Chris, in the next 20 minutes, whatever it is. <laughs> so good. He's the king, and uh, he was in full form right out of the gate. 
All right, so here's the thing. I'm going to do the whole thing as Robert Downey Jr. That's what we're going to do. Um, I guess um, that's the reason for the glasses. I put on the Edith glasses because I hope we're recording. Um, of course we are, because it, it asked me, and I said yes, because what what intelligence form are we on? Uh, AI, are we, we're not using Friday. It's not, I don't believe, is it Karen? <laughs> is it, are we doing Karen now? Is, it, is that where we're at? Um, okay, so the key to uh, Robert Downey Jr. is you try to start your own show. Is it Adnan or Adnan? It, it is Adnan, Robert. Yeah, I know. It sometimes gets, it's a lot of, often misappropriated or mispronounces Adnan, but Adnan. Yeah, two short A's. Adnan. Yeah. Adnan. Adnan. <laughs> emphasis on the Nan or no, emphasis on no, the no, Ad? Just, Adnan. Just, just rhyme. Verk is fine, too. Just rhyme, rhymes with Madman. Yeah, Adnan the Madman. Yeah. All right, let me ask you this, then. Um, more importantly, is it Virk or Verk? <laughs> Verk, just like Kirk, yeah. Quick little ride. Uh, Captain Verk, the Verk horse. I mean, this guy, <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, I've never seen anybody work this hard. I mean, there's a lot of people, you know, that do multiple jobs, uh, a multitude of tasking, if you will. All right. Good. <laughs> I love it. I love it. We're warmed up. Okay, here we go. Three, that, We're not even using that? Oh, no, we're using that. <laughs> of course we're using that. We are. I mean, I are. crushed. I will pull up. You did crush. Okay. All right. Everything's going to be oh, fine. Jonathan Banks, he just did Better Call Saul. So, okay. That, yeah. you, just, you just heard Frank Caliendo doing Robert Downey Jr. and Jonathan Banks from Better Call Saul. He's holding up a bobblehead. Of, I didn't even know you did a Jonathan Banks, Frank. That's how talented I you are. I didn't either. I didn't either. I, uh, then we go, Grandmaster, hello, yes, uh, Jeff Goldblum, and uh, Cork, I kind of like the lead in here. I'll do all so, the Marvel, I'm I, doing the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's amazing. I, I text you before I go, listen, I do not want to do a dance monkey dance thing. I'm not going to ask you to do 30 impressions, but there's a few that I particularly love. So, and then you said to me, listen, what we'll do is we'll have conversations, and then naturally they come out. You know, it, through yeah, the course yeah, of the because, combo, I mean, that's why I have the stuff around me because it puts, you know, if I want to, I can paint a happy little tree. Um, <laughs> so I just, I just have the stuff ready to go. And then it's like when I do a corporate event or something like that, if there was right. a, um, you know, a Zoom corporate event, uh, which we're also calling Peyton and Eli, uh, <laughs> which by the way, it, what, it was fantastic if you watched it. Did you see the fire alarm part? That was incredible. Peyton's oh, talking. I did not see yeah. that. I did not. Yeah. I actually, I, I see, I liked it, but I wanted them to be in the same room and it got yeah. me upset that they weren't in the same room. So I had to turn off back to regular broadcast. Right. And I actually texted somebody over at ESPN and said, Hey, how much does it cost to get <laughs> them in the same room? And they didn't, they, and they just, they don't, I guess they don't want travel, but that's, that, that's the thing is I get it. I don't think it's about money exactly, but it's always money. I mean, it would always no. come down to money. Correct. Um, they spent so much money on Peyton and Eli, the salary. They go, listen, we can't get you the travel. You're yeah. on your own. If you want to fly coach, yeah. we'll do it. Yeah, yeah, we could transport them <laughs> yes, via yes. Mr. Scott. Yes. Uh, but yeah, so I, I, I liked it, and I thought the concept was brilliant and amazing, but also at the same time, I struggled. I wanted to see them hit each other and throw things at each other yes. and when i couldn't do that also they took the crowd noise down and i was yes. like no uh, let's canned. hear the crowd noise let's yeah. hear the i want to hear i want that energy i want them i want to feel like they're watching the game they have to have the rights to it yes. i mean they, they have everything yeah. um Maybe so, Steve Levy yeah. made a call and said, you know what? I want people watching us. We get the crowd noise. You get the mayonnaise. We get the crowd noise. <laughs> and, and, and Steve Levy, although I don't do an impression of him and I'm friends with him, but he's the only guy. He, he doesn't say yard line. He says yard line. <laughs> he separates yard and line where right. they're like, nobody does that. It's like, you it's, it's the 50 yard line. Yard line is how he says it. You're going, but what have you? Have you ever watched football, Steve? You're you're one of the best in the world, and you're saying yard line. But it's I, just it's it's kind of weird. I love when people put the emphasis in the wrong syllable. Like being yes. Canadian, it's the Grey Cup. And people go, "Have you been to the Grey Cup?" And I go, "It's not the Grey Cup. It's the Grey Cup. It's not the Super Bowl. It's the Super Bowl." But yeah, yeah and that's one of the ways that Robert Downey Jr. actually <laughs> creates. You put the you put that emphasis. They went another step further than you. It's just. Right. The way it works. When did you first know you had a gift for this? Uh, everyone does impressions to some extent. Oh, I do my uncle. Pacino used to do Ray Milan. I mean, I adore Pacino. He used to do Ray Milan in a, in a film. You know, Pacino wanted to be a stand-up comic, right? Right. At one point, he wanted to do stand-up, which is incredible. Well, of, course I mean, you, of course you know that. This is Adnan work. 
This young man knows everything. He knows everything there is to know. Come on. Well, about it. Like, I just adore going. Pacino because it just imagine him in any venue, any scenario. He's so observant, but he's very dramatic. Like it went to me, didn't impress you. You and Sasso, it's incredible. And the way, the way Pacino looks like he's always chewing gum, even if he's not chewing gum, it looks like he's always kind of yeah, yeah. He's chomping away. What kind of gum he's chewing? Hubba bubba. Really? No. <laughs> he uh, the way you described it too. I don't know if you'd heard me talk about it before, or right. or if that's just your own observation. But he's so observant because that's what they teach you in acting. They teach you to listen, which is what you don't normally do in acting, right? If you're a bad actor, you're thinking about your lines. You're not listening to them. Right. But he goes one step further. Like he's amazed by everything. Like somebody can flip a light switch. He's like, wait a second. You flip a switch over there. A light goes on over here. This is sorcery. But that's like uh, Alec Baldwin said. Like, remember when Pacino, you know, early in his career, he had kind of that very soft sotto voce voice. Then he also, you know, big baritone. And now he sounds like a southern gentleman. Like now, like, there's different incarnation yeah, of Pacino now. It's yeah, amazing. that happened. He became he became very foghorn leghornish. <laughs> I'll um, say, I'll say, I'll say. Yeah, I think Kevin Pollock does a thing where he made him foghorn leghorn. <laughs> but there's. Uh, yeah, he started out. We started with yeah. the dog the afternoon. It was way up here. It was like, yeah. it's actually like it was a, a, a Pacino on helium, is what it was at that point. Uh, you know. Oh, I just got a text from Derek Carr. Should I talk about this? Yeah, absolutely. I, did, I, I sent Derek a, um, a video this morning of Garuda. And I was like, uh, I was like, uh, nice job, young man. Carr, you did a nice job last night. But uh, I'll tell you what, man, you better be in the gym right now. We got a game in less than five days. What is your problem? Work at if you're not up and playing, I can't. I don't. I know you're family man, but if you're paying attention to your kids, you think the dolphins are traveling? What are dolphins? They travel in packs, man. What do they do? You ever play Pac-Man? You ever play Pac-Man? He didn't worry about dolphins. You know why? Because he was running from ghosts. And if he had a power pellet, man, he would eat the ghost. Inky, Binky, Clyde, look out! That's like Max Crosby coming after <laughs> Lamar Jackson last night. I tell you what, man, Max Crosby, he's Pac-Man. You better look out. I think the all-time like heavyweight champion Calliano impression is John Madden, but I I do think the Gruden might be up there. Like, which one for you is your personal favorite, and which one do you think uh, is the most popular? It depends on who, what people like. If a person right. likes, you know, the old school John Madden. You know, I've been doing those <laughs> remakes of. Summerall and Madden, you know, I did the cat, the the, uh, the Miami cat thing dropping yesterday right? or the other day. Um, and I did Madden. It's funny. If I do Madden and Summerall, if I were to do that on screen, people are like, old, old, find something new to do. I do it as a voiceover. Genius. Right. How do you come up with this nostalgic take on current events and everything that is the Internet? That's unbelievable. Uh, I, I would say Madden people know Charles Barkley. That's yeah. really good. A lot of people, a lot of people who are inactive. They like Pacino. Yeah, yeah. Robert Downey Jr. is kind of overtaken because they just want to be him. Right. Uh, a lot of people get me mistaken with Chris Hemsworth. Look at my brother. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know what? I did impressions with uh, Tom Hiddleston once. Oh, I was he's backstage great. with him. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's fantastic. Have you interviewed him before? I haven't. I'd love to talk to him though. Yeah. Oh, he's he's the night. He's a genius with the voices and characters. But he's. Yeah. And yes, and I am, I am doing um, many um, impressions. I, I do um, the voices of and um, people I work with. And I was like, oh, well, I do impressions of people I've seen you work with. So that's kind of how the difference is. But listen, Hiddleston, he does a great De Niro, but I think your De Niro is better because again, everyone kind of does that De Niro look, right? The the kind of jutted chin, yeah. the kind of. Well, but you're, 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 you're probably talking about that one. Uh, you've seen him do that interview. Yeah, um, he was on the uh, British guy show. I forget the, his name. Yes. Oh, let yeah. me explain that to you because I asked him okay. about that. And he said he didn't really even do it. They just asked him if he could backstage. Uh, and then he did it on the show. And he's like, um, yes, I and don't even really do that. And I was like, oh, well, it was, it was still good. And some of the others are like unbelievable. Right. He's like, um, yes. And I was talking about Anthony Hopkins. Whoever holds this hammer, if he be worthy, shall possess the power of Thor. He's like, yeah, <laughs> but I am. Uh, I am known as uh, Tony. Um, he's a friend. I was like, oh, okay. Well, anyway. <laughs> and he wasn't being a jerk about it. I was just like in awe of the fact that he's that great of an actor, that he's friends with every, 
you know, he's an A-list actor now too, but like uh, at the time he was, Loki was a big character and in Avengers, but hadn't taken off the way he, he right. has. Absolutely right. Now, now a spinoff series, Disney plus, et cetera. Even before well, that, I mean, just like yeah. Avengers Endgame and, you know, yeah. so I really And I think too, like I give you more credit for the impressions that are harder. Like again, your De Niro is great, but when you're doing a John C. Riley impression, I go, who the hell's thinking of John C. Riley? Who is sitting yeah, around right even, now going, I want a John C. Riley impression. Why would you even do that? I mean, there's, there's so many other impressions to do, and you, you just pull something out. Did you touch my drum set? Did you touch my drum set? Yeah, I mean, John C. Riley. it's interesting because it's Kermit the Frog. Kermit the Frog is a base for a lot of, hi ho, Kermit the Frog here. And you bring it down, it becomes John C. Riley. And then if you bring it up, you add some air into it, and it becomes Mark Ruffalo. I see this as an absolute win. Right. And then you bring it, uh, you get a little bit froggy again, and it becomes Joe Rogan. Wow. <laughs> Jamie, can you pull that up, Jamie? Can you pull that up? Oh, my God. How did he do that? Oh, my God. And then if you put a little frog in it, it becomes Patrick Holmes. Yeah, man, I think that's pretty good. Well, I don't know. You know, I, I, just, I think it's my teammates there. My teammates would make it happen. And, and it seems and they're like all the same voice. Right. And some of the, like you said, there's different variations of what you're doing. Some impressions, I'm sure, are easier. Some are harder. Like, I think a Jack Nicholson impression, again, a lot of people do it. Yours is excellent. But there must be some impressions you do that are just absolutely exhausting. You go, I can do it, but I can't do it all the time. Yeah, people always ask me, to do, like, old school things. One that just comes to mind is Macho Man Randy Savage. People say right. something like that. I'm like, first of all, so many people do it. It's not that hard. Secondly, it just takes so much energy to, right. you know, it's almost like you got to hold your breath while you're talking and you've got to turn a little bit uh, purple. Uh, you almost got to go half Thanos. I am inevitable. Um, that was one of the greatest. Um, I'll tell you a quick little story that'll take way too long. Um, my daughter loves the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Right. Um, and I, 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 I love that stuff too. But uh, she's, she's an encyclopedia. So we went to meet a Josh Brolin at a place called Ace Comic Con. And um, <clears throat> Brolin and Oliver Stone, and you can look this up, it's on the internet, used yeah. me as the basis for the George W. Bush impression part of the W wow. character in uh in the movie w so uh we go in you know we, we we jump skip the line and stuff like that but we go to take a picture with josh brolin and it, it's the, the look on brolin's face when he sees me he's like what what like you get my wife's in the picture too and he's like it doesn't even see her and he's not that he's a super nice person sure so later i call my agent and go i want to i want I, I have a chance to talk to him um and not surprise him like that and they're like we'll try i'm like we're with this i'm with the same agency if you don't, I'm leaving the agency. All I want is my daughter to meet Josh Brolin. That's all I'm asking. Is I don't, I, you know, I'm not asking for free autographs. I'm not asking for anything. He was donating all his stuff to charity, anyways. Right. But I was like, I just want my daughter. They, they finally made it happen. So we go, and we were. Uh, they go. Um, the people from Ace Comic Con are like, okay, you can you can step in here. But unfortunately, right now he's with Chris Evans. I'm like, oh, we'll deal with it. So uh, we go in, and I'm talking to Brolin for a little bit. And Evans is talking to Chris Evans, is talking to my daughter for a second. And we're talking about the W thing. Uh, and he's like, he's like that. He's like, Frank, this, that's you in that movie. That's me doing you. I'm like, could you tell everybody that? Not just, uh, <laughs> you know, not just me. And then uh, and then Evans goes, wait, what do you got? What are you guys talking about? And I was like, uh, or uh, Brolin says uh, he, he helped me with the role. And Evans like, really? What role? And I was like, Thanos. And he's like, wait a second. Come on. Wait. Who are you? And I go, Frank Callian, who goes, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Do some mad. Do mad. Do mad. Do mad. And he's hitting me. He's just I'm like, relax. you got the super soldier serum. He's right. just smashing. Me. He's like Evans. And he's a you know, he's a huge Patriots fan, huge NFL fan. So Chris Evans is, and my daughter's like, oh, my God, this is unbelievable that my dad is hanging out with an Avenger and the snapper. Right. So we did take some pictures. I was like, you got to take pictures. You got to take pictures, uh, do pictures. Come on, let's do pictures, the whole family. So we do that. We get out, we're out for a while on cloud nine. Cause my daughter, who's third, it's her 13th birthday. She's it's in Seattle at Ace Comic Con Seattle. She's having the greatest day of her life. She's like, this is unbelievable. Chris Evans comes back out. He's, he's taking a little break from taking a bunch of pictures. And he goes, hey, Frank, and he talk, we talked for a little bit. He's like, oh, that was so great. He's like, you sticking around for a day? No, no, okay. 
So um, then he goes back in to, you know, do more pictures and stuff like that. My daughter goes, that was even better. I'm like, why? She goes, because he didn't have to talk to you there. He wanted to talk to you more. And I was like, uh, you know, your dad's pretty cool. She's like, this is the greatest day of my life. And I'm like, it's all downhill from here, kid. So uh, that was cool. And then we we hung out with Chris Hemsworth for a little bit in Chicago. And it was, it was, you know. He's so funny because women, I thought they loved Chris Evans. Women love Hemsworth and oh. maybe even more. Like they were fainting on their way to meet Chris Hemsworth. Right. It was crazy. And he's, he's just like, uh, yeah. yeah, he doesn't even have to talk. He's like, oh, well, right. you know, that's, that's pretty good. Yeah, that's it. Let's do that. That's it. Okay. All right. And if you bring it down, it becomes, it becomes Wilson Crow. I'm Maximus Dick. I love when Phil Hartman, who, as you know, a man of a thousand voices, great Canadian, he was on Leno years ago, and he said, if you want to talk like Michael Caine, you must only say a few words at a time. And then, like, everyone was doing a Michael Caine impression, and then it became, if if you say my cocaine, that's how Michael Caine says his name. Like, and then you had, like, in the trip, you have literally Coogan is, like, dueling Michael Caine impressions. Like, that's where I feel for you, you go, okay, I'm definitely not doing that impression, because everyone is doing a Michael Caine now, right? Well, I would throw it in in a small spot, you just wouldn't spend a big time on it. That's the thing. If it's an impression I could do, Mr. White, Master White, you know, you just say something like that. Or Batman, you see, darkness is your friend. You know, darkness is your ally. (laughs) I could do the original. I I could do the original Batman. That's sad. I guess that's sad. That's what we're doing right here. Okay. (laughs) I love Michael Keaton. I think he's so Batman. You mentioned Hemsworth Evans. Like, these guys are obviously fans of yours. Has there ever been a guy? Well, Hemsworth, Hemsworth didn't really know me. He didn't, <laughs> okay, like, who's, who's that? Who's, who's that guy? The voice guy. Who's that guy? All right. All right. Tell him to do down. Madden. Okay, sure. Yeah, yeah hey, do yeah, Madden. Yeah. How do, who's, who's Madden? I'm too young for that. <laughs> has there ever been, I'm sure there has been, a celebrity or someone who did not find the impression flattering? Somebody who took issue with it and got a hold of his um, mouth. There has been a guy who would not look me directly in the eyes. <laughs> How great is that? Just a person who never turned in my direction. Not even close. Ridiculous. Incredible. Four syllables. Um, <laughs> did Rome tell you why he didn't like it or he just... You know, he just didn't, he didn't wouldn't look at me. How'd you uh, guess it was Jerome? No, sorry, I'm sorry, sorry, sorry. Away. <laughs> not phenomenal. Not, not, not <laughs> barely <laughs> nominal. Because most people flattered by it. They appreciate They're grateful. Oh, my God, the people, great Frank Kelly. But some people, they're very sensitive. I don't think they're that sensitive. They're worried about their bottom line. So they're always worried that it's going to hurt them. Barkley's the guy who's, you know, he's actually gotten other people on board. It's like, every time he does your voice, it's going to end up making you more money. That's just the way it is. If they do it on your, like Saturday Night Live or Caliendo, you make more money because they learn how to write for you. So um, every time I, they hear Caliendo on the radio, I get a new commercial for Taco Bell or Weight Watchers. A subway. I don't even have to show up for the subway. Eh? That's how great it is. The top, they made Tom Brady. They made Tom Brady do a perfume ad for subway. That's pretty. You know, with an actor or even a comedian, sometimes working on a bit, you get halfway through it and you go, "Now this isn't working." Or you perform it for some crowds, you go, "Now nah, I'm dumping it." Have you ever done that with an impression, workshopped it, and said, "You know what? I'm not getting it. I'm just going to go do something oh, else." Oh yeah, and it's it's what's the take with them? It's easy right. to do things like I'm Loki of Asgard and a bird into glorious purpose. But what do you do with that? Where do you put that? Here's the thing. When you do an impression of a character in a movie, it's already set. When you do the impression of the person, when I I go back to when I started, I wouldn't do Robin Williams as a character in a movie. People are like, do Robin Williams. They go, we hello, who you Virginia, you do for No, it's just a serious Robin Williams. You know the one? You can make it malleable then. You can become someone else. Yes. You don't have to be a, a Robin character, you know. And when they're when they're a character that they play in the movie and they become themselves, you know, that just that I know unless you go from this to this right here. Yes, does Pacino know you do an impression of him? I hope he does. I'm pretty sure because uh, a friend of mine was actually raised by him and Beverly D'Angelo. Nice, and uh, he called me with. Uh, Pacino's son like a couple a few weeks ago and he's like does that sound like your dad and he's like yeah it kind of does you know so, <laughs> so there were it was uh 
can't I, I can't remember the young Antonio. I think it's uh, is it Antonio? He had twin kids with Beverly D'Angelo. So Anthony, Anthony's the son. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So yeah, they, he was picking them up from work or something like that, uh, <laughs> yeah. and then they were heading over to a Bev's house, as he says. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, I you know I, I'm sure Pacino. Pacino. When people people hear so many people do impressions of them that they get you know immune to it unless it's different. And now so many people have copied my version of Pacino. Yes. Again, That's, you take the take. I've seen it. I've seen my take used by so many people. I'm going, yes. no, you didn't. You can do the voice, but don't do my take. Is it flattering or annoying? Thing. Is that flattering or no, annoying? No, that's it's annoying because then they used to call me the hack. I'm like, nah, I think I might have started that one. Right. You know, you can tell if you go, if you hear somebody going, not going to do it. That's Dana Carvey. Right. Doing H.W. Bush. Because H.W. Bush didn't really say that. He yeah. made it up. When I would do mad, here's a guy. He said it sometimes, but it wasn't his phrase. It wasn't really what he was known for. But I right. made people believe that it was because yeah. you say it over and over and over in stand up and you just push it. it you know, you, you make that become what it is. Um, so I, t- I tell you what, man, if somebody yeah. does their John Gruen, they go, I tell you what, man, it's that's you. them doing me. I've seen people do like you're Alec Baldwin. And I'm like, yeah, that's that's Frank doing Alec uh, Baldwin. No, no I, no, I don't think so, because I don't do a great Alec Baldwin. Maybe you think of Alex Jones. Probably not, but why wouldn't you? Uh, <laughs> Alex Jones. They're turning the frogs gay, Adnan. Adnan, I understand. I will eat my neighbors. I will eat Cody. Uh, Cody was If Cody moved next to me, I would eat him and his father. <laughs> Like Alex Jones terrifies me. Like it's like again, it's kind of like an actor. We just say, would you? It's like Christian Bale. Would, are you going to play someone you don't respect in Dick Cheney? That to me is you doing Alex Jones. Like go, Frank, I love you. Come on, you can't do Alex Jones. You got to do it. You got to do it. You don't understand where we're coming from. Of this at this point, I'm actually sweating Jack Daniels right now, and uh, I ate. Um, I ate. And not, they were not edibles. I actually ate a, a, a an entire chest full of marijuana. <laughs> <laughs> a human chest. A human chest that was harvested <clears throat> by aliens and just came down. Jesus. <laughs> Last one. I'll get you out of here. Um, because I'm Canadian, I love Rich Little. Rich Little, of course, great impressionist. To- uh, are, are you Canadian by any chance? <laughs> yeah, just, just, just in case you weren't sure, yeah. yeah. Phil Hartman <laughs> and Rich Little. But Rich Little, though, two things. One, he's Canadian. Two, he's still going. He's 82 years old. And yeah. for a different generation, like to this generation, you go master impressionist, Frank Caliendo, no one better. But to a different generation, it was Rich Little. I'm just curious. Did you ever talk to Rich? Did you meet him? Did you ever, you know, use any he stuff? He called me once. I, I was in Vegas doing a corporate event. He called me once and he was doing impressions on the phone. He, <laughs> he was like, this is Dr. Phil. How are you? I was like, what? what, what what's happening? And then he goes, uh, this is Rich Little. How are you? I was like, oh, my gosh. Yes. <laughs> you are the, you're probably one of the reasons I got into this. Are you kidding me? Um, so he was super nice. Um, that's awesome. Uh, yeah. But, uh, you know, he's old school vaudevillian, right? I mean, yes. it wasn't, it wasn't about the material. It was kind of about jokey jokes right. and uh, doing the voice. And, uh, in this day and age, you, it, although on the internet that works, uh, you yeah. do a TikTok, you can just do lines from movies. People go, Oh, you sound exactly like them. That's on. Uh, yeah. All right, now put it in a sketch because that's right. all you can do is just the lines. I am the one who knocks. I yeah. mean, okay, nice, you know, Jesse, yeah. Jesse, <laughs> Jesse. That's all I can do with that, though. You but know? you're right. Like, Today, in today's world, people are just—they're either ripping other people off. They're just like you said, doing TikTok videos, doing one-liners. Like that's not actually a show. If someone goes to see you do a show, it's well crafted, it's smart, it's thought out, it's got all that stuff. Yeah, that's that's the that's the difference, and that's the yeah. Dana Carvey. That's people like Daryl Hammond who know how to write for the impressions, but right. that's kind of getting lost. And I'm an old curmudgeon. You no, basically, no, awesome. you and I were Statler and Waldorf on the Muppets, right there. <laughs> Why do we always come here? Where does all never move? Uh, Frank Kelly, in the plug. Where can we find you? Where can we see you? Are you touring again? Tour on frankonstage.com. I'll be in Modesto, California at the end of September, uh, as well as uh, Denver with Sal Volcano and uh, David Spade. We're doing the Belco Theater in Denver. And then uh, at the end of in December, I think is uh, the last of is Pittsburgh, Atlantic City and uh, maybe Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Frankonstage.com for all that. Frankonstage.com. And uh, and uh, I went Carson here. Uh, and uh, the podcast is uh, oh, yeah. Caliendocast. Caliendocast.com. 
get you there in both those frankonstage.com and caliendocast. I guess you have to spell caliendo and caliendocast, but you'll figure it out. Uh, dude, that's awesome. I can't wait. Atlantic City. I'm in Jersey now, so I'm in North Jersey. Oh, you are. If you're, so I'll, I'll, I, I, I got to come see an AC. That's going to be in December? Yeah. Okay. Frankonstage.com. Go there. Come on, man. I'll buy tickets right now. I can't wait. We're Did take you the touch my drum set? Did you touch my drum set? My friend Nick Durst goes, you got to ask Frank to do you. I said, why would he do me? He doesn't, like, you know, he'd have to work on it, do the impression and stuff. You're not going to be able to do an impression after just meeting a guy. But I don't and I can't, but uh, I, I, there are things to do. Um, <laughs> You're, you're, you're very staccato way of speaking. That's how you come in with things. Right. You listen for the cadence first. Like Barack Obama talks slow at, at the beginning, speed up at the end. So right. it's like you find that with the person. Yeah. And uh, that's that's how, that's how I would that's how I'd start with you. I love it. Staccato dialect. The great Frank Caliendo. I know how busy you are. I can't thank you enough. This was awesome, man. I really really appreciate it. You're right. You're welcome. All right, this was an awesome episode. Thanks once again to Frank Caliendo. Frank my belly hurts. My belly hurts from laughing so much during Right? I, I, He's so like, good. I, I, sometimes I don't want to laugh. I feel like I'm killing him because then it wrestles with the audio, but like I can't help it, right? I, I can't keep the <laughs> laughter to myself. You and I, our bellies hurt. Caliendocast.com is podcast. Frankonstage.com. I'm going to go see him in Atlantic City. And, of course, the great Mike Ryan. We finally got our great white whale, the one we were trying to get from the Levitard show. Mike made time for us to talk face-off. My thanks to Chris Cody and the entire crew. Coming up next week, Clint Eastwood has a new film called Cry Macho. Trailer doesn't look inspiring. I'll review it next week. Plus, we are building up to the Sopranos movie. Many Saints of Newark can't wait. Uh, in addition to that, hopefully Will Arnett, who I interviewed on DAZN. I just got to get clearance on them. It was a 20-minute interview. Hopefully, we'll repurpose that just like we did Kevin Costner from MLB Network and we'll uh, repurpose the Will Arnett sound for you. Great guy, obviously. Funny guy. Lego Masters. Batman. We talk about it all. Until then, I'll see you at the movies. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Have you heard about the 2018 study that showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? No? Well, now you have. I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual, the company making traceability the new standard in the supplement industry. I remember staring at my prenatal vitamins and finding all these things I was trying to avoid. High amounts of heavy metals, synthetic colorants, and unnecessary ingredients. So... At four months pregnant, I quit my job and started Ritual because I believe that all women deserve to know what they're putting in their bodies and why. I'm so proud of our prenatal vitamin. The ingredients are 100% traceable. It's third-party tested for microbes and heavy metals and recently received the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. You see, we trace like a mother because, let's be honest, no one cares quite like a mother. But don't just take my word for it. Trace for yourself with 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast.